So introduction is uh, I'm from Penang, but I've lived in Singapore for the last 13 years. So of course, my view would be biased because <laughs> I'm from Penang and Penang is so awesome, right? And I'm, a, I'm an island girl. The food is really good. Hi guys, welcome into today's show. Today, we're going to talk about retiring in Penang. And I have two special guests to share with you. They are Fran and John. Hi, a big hi, hi. everyone. A bit of uh, background between uh, Fran and John is they actually run a YouTube channel. So I will direct you towards their channel also to hear a bit of their story. But what we really want to do is to drill down on facts of retiring in Penang and how better than to quiz uh, two people who are actually living there. Yeah, thank you. Here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we are fans of your show as well. The Astute Parent, the Josh Tan Show. Thanks, thanks. Penang has been rated very highly as a retiree place among the top uh, Malta and Maloka in Spain. And most of us in Southeast Asia haven't even been there. But Penang, I guess many in Singapore have even visited themselves multiple times. Why is the appeal factor so high? I, I think it's because, you know, standard of living is slightly lower than in Singapore. But Penang has a lot of good food, which I, I guess uh, you guys will be sharing a bit more. But I also want to ask on the first point, what other things that we should know as Singaporeans if we want to consider Penang as a place for retiring? What, what do you guys think about? Fantastic. So yeah, so Penang has got the culture, the beach, you know, you've got the hills. And uh, feedback from my friends or Singaporeans who went to Penang, they said the people there are very friendly. So let's hear from my husband, John, who's a Singaporean. Yeah, so I'm Singaporean. Uh, very privileged to be able to stay in Malaysia and in Penang for the last one year. Never been to Penang uh, except as a kid until I met friend. So about 10 years ago was when as an adult I really get to experience Penang. And I can, I can share that it's Wow, it was really a, a very breathtaking, beautiful experience because I've been to other parts of Malaysia like Trengganu, KL, uh, Pahang, uh, JB, right? So Penang is like, wow, it's, it's very different because I get greeted by a lot of greenery, a lot of, uh, you know, beautiful um, uh, architecture around this little island. Yet we are surrounded by the sea. You know, it feels like Singapore, but it's not Singapore. You have your heritage houses. So, and then of course the food, la. I mean the food, there's no, okay, as a Singaporean, I can say this, there's, there's no fight. Penang's hawker food is really good, world right? Class. World class. Okay, world <laughs> class. I think as a Singaporean, as a retirement place, somewhat similar to Singapore, but you get to have a more rustic laid-back experience. Uh, and you also get to experience a city because they have shopping malls, um, they have world-class facilities as well. And then like, for example, healthcare, you are well taken care of. And even though it's a small island, but it's not as congested as, for example, KL, mm. you know, where it's uh, pretty congested, a lot of jams. In Penang Island, it's pretty small. I was going to quiz you guys on comparing against KL because like KL has a lot of happening stuff, like shopping malls, and it's, it's very city-like. Of course, Penang has greenery, but hey, maybe Genting Highlands is like, a stone throw away or compare against like Langawi, which is much more uh, rural. What do you guys think about these two as a comparison point? For me, KL is, you know, like Singapore, hmm. but not so much greenery, it's very congested, uh, very smoggy. You know, even our dog didn't like KL. We, we took him to Ipoh, KL, and of course he lives in Penang for a road trip. He didn't really like KL because, you know, it's a concrete jungle. Uh, it's very busy, right? And then um, the stress level is very high and the traffic jams are horrendous. Comparing Langkawi, okay, Langkawi is also another island, right? But it's not so well developed. It's mm. more resort feel because there's numerous hotels and um, uh, population-wise, not, not as uh, busy as Penang. 
And Langkawi is not well connected at all. The only way to, to go Langkawi is either by flight or by ferry via police. Mm. So Penang, however, just uh, as a talking point, you know, Penang, Singapore Penang is just an hour's flight away. If you want to drive, it takes about nine, 10 hours. So I don't recommend it unless it's a road trip. And of course, Penang is divided into two parts. The Penang Island, where I'm from, and mainland. So mainland and Penang Island is just connected by two bridges. And then you can go to Ipoh, which is an hour and a half drive. KL is another three and a half hour drive. So it is, and of course the airport is an international airport, right? So you can mm. travel to anywhere in the world. So let me share you, <laughs> whose idea was it to retire in Penang? Not mine, no? <laughs> yeah, it was actually mine because um, I love it. I really love this island and, uh, and, and then her family is here as well. Mm. Uh, it's really fantastic to be very connected to this little island. Okay, then that leads to the next question of cost of living in Penang. In your channel breakdown, you guys have shared a great tutorial. Basic needs, comparing food, grocery, transportation, accommodation, medical, and also comparing against ones where you want a more luxurious retirement standard of living. Any new changes to this final figure? Because it, it does look very affordable. In terms of ringgit, if I interpret what you're sharing correctly, it's about 4,700, 4,008 for average consumer. That is equivalent to 1,004 per person in Sing dollars, right? So um, the basis of the cost of living videos that we have done, the numbers that we have just mentioned, they are in the eyes of a local Penang Knight. Mm. So I gave two, two different types of budget. One is actually for the very budget sensitive person and then one is for the average consumer. So that's for local. Of course, for a retiree, uh, there would be then more expenses. I mean, you have to rent, right? Instead of buying, buying a house. So the, in terms of the home loan and all that, there may be some differences as a foreigner. Okay, so 1,400 Singh would be very comfortable for one person to live in Penang. Uh, if you drive a, a national car, let's say a Perdua or let's say a, a Proton. Yeah. Uh, and you rent in, a, let's say, a two-bedroom apartment or condo. So can we actually buy Malaysian cars as a foreigner or not? What, what are the rules like with regards to owning a... Oh, so actually, we bought our Honda City in cash. I mean, I'm Malaysian, but honestly, it doesn't matter. As long as you do not hold a loan, you pay the car in full, you can buy it. Also, they don't check like, oh, foreigners cannot buy Malaysian car or there's extra taxes. No COE, man. Yeah, so with COE now, right, which is quite crazy, right? Yes, uh, yes. I mean, just to give a bit of indication, uh, COE now uh, is what, 90, 90, 90 plus 100. Our 1.5 yeah. liter car want, is like, it's like a fraction, yeah? You, you want to guess how much we bought our brand new Honda City for, Josh, in uh, Ringgit? You Honda guess? City in Singapore, I can share first. It's going to cost about 130 to 150, my guess. K Singapore yeah. dollars. Yeah. In Malaysia, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. Maybe, for ten years, ah, that was for ten years. Maybe, maybe seventy thousand ringgit, like twenty plus thousand. Sing. So seventy? No lah, not so cheap. We not bought so our okay. So we bought it. It was uh, during the promotion where it was still COVID. So the government gave us a, a tax free incentive. So we bought our car for eighty three thousand ringgit. Eighty three thousand. That equates to twenty seven thousand sing. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can't wow. even buy a piece of paper. It was really inclusive of road tax and insurance. Wow. So once we own it, we can pump that uh, discounted petrol, right? The RON95. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and are you familiar with the RON95 uh, subsidized prices in Malaysia? I'm sure it's less than 3 ringgit per liter. It's a RM2.05. Fixed. Oh, that's, that's like equating to 60 plus cents. Wow, that's, that's three, four times yeah. cheaper. Then what about for accommodation? If cars are cheap, then housing-wise, if a foreigner or a retiree wants to buy a 
condo. Are there rules that we need to take note of that could inflate this uh, cost? Not? If you are a foreigner or retiree, uh, because of the multiple options you have here to rent, mm. I, personally, I would advise to rent for foreigner. Also for the interest of, let's say, you know, there are some policy changes for foreigners or as a retiree. Mm. Um, it's not so advisable to buy. And that comes to the other question. If you do buy, you need a minimum of 1 million ringgit. That is the new ruling. Uh, I think the last five, six, they've raised the, the minimum amount for foreigner to buy property in Malaysia, not just in Penang, to be 1 million ringgit. Definitely your, your accommodation expenses will, will go up tremendously versus maybe let's use rental for foreigner uh, as example. You're looking at, let's say, um, a place that is uh, decently placed, a two-bedroom apartment with full condo facilities hmm. between... Two to 2,005 ringgit, you can get the whole place. Yep. Hmm. So to give you an idea, right? So um, we don't have uh, public housing. So we don't have oh. HDBs, right, in, in, in Malaysia. So we've got, uh, we've got low-cost apartments. Um, and then we've got normal apartments, no facilities at all. And then we've got apartments with facilities, bare, bare, bare bones. And then we've got the condo status. So you've got hmm. your gym. A swimming pool and then of course you've got your luxurious condominiums right which can cost anywhere between two three four five six up to 12 million uh, property I, I definitely want to quiz but before we get to that point what about for insurance or medical needs if we were to retire there uh, i think these are things that we should take note of correct Pinai actually is very well known for its medical facilities. We actually have a Glen Eagles, the top rated hospital in Penang. And then we've got Adventist, we've got Island Hospital. So there's actually 15 private hospitals in Penang. We've got the General Hospital as well. Now the General Hospital is mainly for citizens, you know, because we only pay one ringgit uh, and medication is free. So that's how uh, cheap uh, medication is in, in, in Penang for the General Hospitals. That being said, of course, it's very packed. Right, mm. so waiting periods can be very long. So as a foreigner, for example, if John, right, so mm. number one, we actually do have our insurance still in uh, Singapore. So if anything happens and it can wait, we'll just fly back to Singapore to get mm. our treatment. But for you know your normal flu, colds, and whatnot, uh, a trip to the GP is about RM 30, 40 ringgit. Yep. For um, a foreigner then, you know, versus a local, oh, which is one no, ringgit. For, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh. There is no differentiation. It's just they'll see you and then you just fill up a form. They see you, treat you, and you pay. So uh, it's really very affordable. You know, dentist is about 120, 150, again, depending where you want to go. Hmm. Like the one, the one that I go to, you know, they give you like a spa-like treatment for dental or whatnot. It's about 150 to 200 ringgit. Still a lot cheaper than Singapore. Private, yeah. and it's all pri private we're talking yeah. about private numbers. So maybe I can expand a bit more on that yeah. um, for local. So when I, when I cover my cost of living videos, they are in the eyes of a local, right? So uh, I would actually suggest, since you have your own, likely your own home country, in the case is uh, Singapore, mm. uh, go back to your own country if you have anything that is more major, you know, serious. But of course, in terms of emergencies, in terms of uh, one-time uh, needs, for medical care, there's there's more than enough uh, accessible facilities in Penang. So John, for yourself, you are covered well in Singapore. So sounds like you didn't purchase any in Penang. Or there's, there's no need to 
Yeah, I mean, we are, we are both very healthy. La. Yeah. We take lots of supplements. La, so Yeah, <laughs> as we go to the gym regularly. And then, um, I mean, we, well, technically, we say we are retired in Penang, but we also spend a lot of time in Singapore. Mm. Because uh, right now, where we are at, we, we spend actually 50% of our time traveling around wherever. You know, we went to Vietnam, Bali, you know, in different parts of the world. And then uh, we spend the rest of the time between Penang and Singapore. So we are actually in Singapore pretty often as well. So, I mean... I wouldn't want to invest in a in a pure uh, Penang coverage for that lah. Maybe as of now, yeah. you still commute a lot to Singapore lah. Any any emergencies yeah. wise, then Penang. If not, you can bring it back to Singapore. Yeah. Understand? Yeah, and for myself, I also gave up all my insurance plans in uh, Malaysia already long time ago. So I'm only insured in in uh, Singapore. Understand? Let's move on to the next topic that I've I have a lot of interest in, which is properties in Penang. Uh, I recently visited Shangri lah which is in Batu Ferengi, if I'm not wrong. That's like the north part, right. the northest part of it. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of foreigners staying over there because I went to the restaurant and I saw pictures of uh, Caucasian uh, diners over there and stuff. So what about properties? Where should retirees aim at? So you're referring to foreign retirees? Right? Yes, not, correct. Not the local retirees. Okay, got it. So um, I talked to a lot of the, uh, the my gym members, right? So a lot of them will, will live in Tanjung Tokong and Tanjung Bunga area, which is a five, six minutes drive to the, the, the mall, which is Gurney Plaza. So of mm. course, you know, Penang has got a few major malls, but the ones that we like to go to and they're... And by the way, uh, Gurney Plaza is owned by Capital Land. Yes. So the standard is there, <laughs> one, you know? <laughs> So uh, Gurney Plaza is where our gym is and uh, it's about, so most of them stay 5, max 10, 15 minutes drive. And then we've got Tanjung Bunga and Tanjung Tokong where the more affluent, you know, the expats, they like to stay there. Um, then you've got, uh, so like for example, uh, Straight Ski. So there's the Straits, uh, uh, the Keyside Residences. Very nice. It's by uh, ENO, the sister company of Raffles Hotel. Doing a quick pause over here, if you're on YouTube viewing this, help us smash a like, smash a subscribe. That's all we ask, delivering you this fantastic content. And if you're on Spotify, help us rate 5 stars. Thank you again in advance for the support and we'll dive back right to the discussion. Also not even in the Queen's Bay, there's a Queen's Bay shopping mall, right? Something like that, also by Capital Land. Uh, so Queen's Bay is retires. very near to the airport. So if you're an expat who likes to live near the airport, then sure. That one mostly the locals will buy. Yeah, so I've got a lot of relatives who, who live in the Sungai Ara, Bayan Baru, Bayan Lepas area. Uh, not so much expats, to be honest. You know, when mm. you are going to Queen's Bay Mall and all that to walk, I would say 90% locals. And uh, just now, John mentioned some numbers, uh, four 5,000 ringgit in terms of rent. I hear John's recommendation, which is to rent first. Maybe you try living in that place. I suddenly thought, if someone even owns a HDB flat in Singapore, rents it out for 3,000, goes over there, there's still a, a surplus, right? And they can live in a luxurious car, rent it, stay there, uh, test it out whether they, they like living there for a long term or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. If you're looking at 3,000 sing, uh, oh, that will be a 10, yeah. 10 over 1,000. 10 over 1,000 like, ringgit. Uh. Really yeah. If you're looking at 10k and above, that will be considered luxury <laughs> yeah. uh, living. Wow. Okay. Same location, 4,000 square feet. Yeah, that's what you will get. Wow. Yeah, 10. Absolutely 10. Very possible. <laughs> then what about for visa uh, issues? Anything that someone looking to try their idea, rent out the Singapore flat and go and stay in Penang for a long term. Any tips on visa? 
<laughs> well, if you're single, then go and find somebody who's Malaysian to go and marry. <laughs> you can get a sponsor visa like John like that. So, yes, yes. so for John and I, of course, we are a bit unique, like, you know. I'm, I'm his sponsor. So we went through, I mean, we did a video all about getting a, a sponsor visa. Uh, so he, he's, uh, he's here on a sponsor visa. But the rest of the visas, John will explain. I mean, that's always a question, right? How do you stay in Malaysia as a, as a foreigner? Uh, let me first share the one that is tried and tested, which is MM2H, Malaysia, my second home. So the good thing is it's been running around for 20 over years. So it has always been uh, Malaysia's flagship program to receive foreigners who want to retire in, uh, in Malaysia, not just Penang. Uh, but unfortunately, in the last two years, you know, after the COVID lockdown, they actually changed the financial requirements. So it, from my understanding from some of the MM2H people that, uh, that, that had MM2H before the new changes, it used to be about 300 to 500,000 of ringgit that you need to put in a fixed deposit in Malaysia. And then you need a running uh, income of 10,000 ringgit per month. Per month. That was the old requirement. So that's about 3,000 sing, right? So you, have, you can show you have income pro 3,000 sing, and then you put 300 to 500,000 ringgit in the fixed D in Malaysia, you can get the old MM2H. So those who are the old one, would they uh, need to migrate yeah. if MM2H increases? Yeah, so actually they raised it in uh, October, August 2021. So yeah. what happened was, well, unfortunately, I mean, I'm just going to be very transparent here. We all love Penang. People love to come in Penang, but don't forget Penang is still part of Malaysia. So they are still mm subject to the rules and regulations of yep. Malaysia, unfortunately. So what happened was we actually got to know a lot of people who were on the old MM2H when the new ruling came out, which is 40,000 ringgit per month of uh, income that you need to come in with 1 million of um, fixed uh, D. A lot of people don't meet that requirement anymore. So yeah. unfortunately, a lot of them, mostly expats in uh, yeah. Italy, France, US, they actually packed their bags and left for their home country, unfortunately. Then they found out that, oh, it didn't apply to existing MM2H. So it was a very sad situation. I mean, know? the communication I mean, wasn't transparent. You know, they, they uh, and all that. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, very unfortunate. So of course, like, uh, it's very lucky la, for the existing ones yeah. currently. So they are staying put. Uh, but we again, we never know what might be, you know, some changes down the road. Yeah, the, the policy changes quite fast in Malaysia. So we also heard that they might revert back to uh, closer to the old requirements in order to attract, uh, well, the retirees to come back again. But of course, one of the, another key difference between the old one and the new one is the old one used to be, if I'm not wrong, 50 or 55 years, then you can qualify. But now this new one with, of course, a much higher financial requirement, uh, you'd only need to be 35 and above and above yeah so that's wow. another differentiator but uh, yeah. if they can't qualify for mm2h or the marry a spouse long-term visa <laughs> no no other way that's simpler oh. like, <laughs> flying it out that's, that's, so, that's the only solution okay so the hack the hack right that i would suggest um of course it's not a straightforward hack or so is i mean if you have the means to retire early for example hmm. or even retire at 50, 55, 60. I, I mean, we, our, our position on retirement is we are always in a constant state of creation, learning, growing. So one of, us, one of the reasons for us to do YouTube channel is to also be exactly that, right? To really contribute, to give value. So if you're willing to start something uh, like content creation, for example, or in the digital space, maybe you can um, write an ebook or something like that and, and have some income in that space. So there's the digital nomad visa that Malaysia just launched uh, October 2022. 
and the requirements is a lot lower in terms of the financials. And Josh, I'm sure you qualify, right? Mm. Twenty four thousand USD a year. Uh, that's that not too difficult. That's not too difficult. Exactly right. So we, we, yeah, we believe that is very achievable, right? I mean, if if anybody has the means, for example, you can retire by 40, 35, 45, it means maybe you have some idea of how to work investments, how to, you know, run a bit of business. The digital nomad visa uh, is actually targeted uh, in the in the IT, the online digital space. So whether you're looking at content creation, that's one way. We are looking at um, people who have, let's say, are uh, software engineer. So in programming, let's say a UI, UX developer, you're even looking at people who have the flexibility from their companies to work from anywhere. Nowadays is a new thing, right? Work from anywhere. They can actually qualify for this uh, digital nomad visa as well. So the, the, hack, the hack for a retiree is to build a, a, a content creation or somewhere along the, the digital marketing space and uh, be an income of 24,000 USD a year and then you qualify. So I, I wouldn't say it's a stretch for anyone to be able to stay in Malaysia for like two, I think they would probably give you two it's, years. It's, uh, no, it's 12 months first oh, and then months. subject to, to change. Yeah. Yeah, a renewable, yearly renewable yeah. kind of uh, visa. That's right. Hey, but this visa is yearly renewable, which is 12 months, 12 months versus the MM2H, which is five years. Yes, so the, that's the risk right. of this is a bit higher. Like next year, you might not get renewed and stuff. So, so Malaysia is very interesting. They like you to jump through a lot of hoops the first round. After that, subsequent rounds, yes. they kind of like, okay, la, you know, you've got, you've proven yourself to us. Let's renew you. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe I use myself even as an example, right? So even though I have a spouse who's Malaysian, mm-hmm. the hoops that we have to jump through, especially the, fo- the first part, and we documented it, I had like this whole stack of documents all hard copy you know whether it's an income statement to my birth cert to passports passport, passport like everything stuff yeah so for me i only got a six months uh visa first and then i well technically i can but i shouldn't be leaving malaysia in my first six months hmm. yeah that's why we did a lot of chuti chuti malaysia we did all road trips so that to to show malaysia that you are sincere you are sincere in staying in the country rather than i got my six months visa immediately leave go singapore and then by the end of six months i come back likely they will not renew you so then because we, i've stayed i quite quiet i stay in, in in malaysia and of course to enjoy as well then my one year renewal came so it's a yearly oh. renewal and then the subsequent one might might be two years so so that is depending on state also because we're in penang and then if you are in perak let's say ipo it's a different requirement as well you're in kl probably different so um it's quite normal even for a digital nomad license whether it's a one year renewal two years that's why i suggest for accommodation try not to buy rent do like a one plus one max two years commitment with the landlord and have an exit clause lah. i mean diplomatic clause right let's say oh you know i gotta leave the country because i my visa expand then you have an exit clause in your rental agreement as well yeah valid valid because if you're buying then you're going to sink in that capital and then if you sell it, what are costs also? Are there like seller stamp duty things to note also on Penang regards to property ownership? Uh, you have to hold the, the, the property for five years. Then there's oh. no tax. Well, so there's a, like there's a five-year seller stamp duty equivalent. Uh. So capital gain yeah, tax. they call it capital gain tax over here yeah. in Malaysia. Uh, of course, there's also uh, like seller stamp duty in Singapore is 12.84%, right? For mm. three years for private properties. Malaysia, of course, is different. Uh, it ranges whether you're a foreigner or, or local, I think. Mm. Okay, uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, but there is a capital gain tax for especially mm. the first 
uh, three to five years before you actually sell. So that is again a longer commitment when you buy a property. So, but honestly, Josh, I mean, I wouldn't purchase a property, especially as a retiree, I wouldn't purchase it, you know, there's so much uh, supply of rental, either a house, a landed house, or a condo, right, then then just rent, then you have the freedom to, you know, I don't like this place, let's go in, uh, you know, rent somewhere else, right. And of course, you know, um, property prices is not like Singapore, because Singapore is so small, right, and there's just that amount of um, supply. So in Malaysia, however, there is an oversupply and developers are just, you know, developing and developing them. So the problem in Malaysia is, it's so easy to buy a property, mm. but it's so hard to get rid of it. However, the property market, you know, it, it doesn't move like Singapore at all, at all. And rental yield in Penang is really very low. And which is mm. why, you know, we, we don't buy any more properties in, in Penang anymore. You know, it's, it's yeah. done. And yeah. don't forget, there's also um, currency strength. Uh, you know that it's, it's, a, it's upward slope, la, Sing versus Ringgit. So in terms of uh, if you are Singaporean, you actually may see your, your net value decrease because of depreciation. I fully agree. There. So I, I guess the big rounding point is okay, rent out your, keep your assets in Singapore, rent it out. Then you you can get something luxurious in retirement in Penang and enjoy all the great yes. food over there. As always, if you are listening to today's uh, podcast, if you have questions that uh, maybe Fred and John can answer, leave them in the comment sections also. We try to pick them up for you and answer as best as we can. So thank you guys for sharing your thoughts today and together we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you everyone. Thanks everyone.